to say I appreciate Brother Doug putting up the banner. I mentioned it to him that we need to put it up, and then I forgot about it, and I came in this morning, and he'd done it without me. Doug, thank you for doing that, and thank you for promoting the fall festival. Uh, to make that successful, it's going to take a lot of us just being apart to do some basic things that need to be done, helping organize a cakewalk. Some of us are going to be meeting this afternoon at 4 o'clock to, to talk about some of the things that are going to be necessary for next week. By the way, we're having church next week from 4 to 7, but not in here. We're going to have it out there, uh, touching people's lives and just loving people. Uh, we're going to have the opportunity for the children to have a good time, and uh, we're going to be hopefully ministering to their families and uh, doing that in sort of a, a non-traditional way, not participating in the... Uh, treats in the streets not because we don't think that's important but we'd like to have a unique time to minister to some of these kids we're inviting our preschool uh, to come uh, our preschool teachers are going to be here helping us with that but we also need you to make a cake as Doug said to make some chili just to to show up and 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 be the Lord's hands and feet and to help us because we can't do it without you we really need your help uh, there's one verse that we're going to begin with this morning, and the title of the message is The Spirit's Power. We're going to start and end with that, but uh, how do we access the Spirit's power? What is that about? What spirit are we talking about? Well, in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, Paul said, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. When I read that verse, <clears throat> I thought about one question that uh, needed to be asked, and we're going to ask it over and over this morning, the same question. That's what we're going to try to answer when we're talking about the Spirit's power, this one simple question that you're going to see on the screen, and that is this. Could a person be a Christian and fail to know this freedom? That's a vitally important question. We need to be careful how we answer it based on these laws that Paul is talking about. <clears throat> the, the law of the power of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life. By the way, have you ever read these laws? Have you ever seen these laws posted anywhere? Do you know one sentence of one of these laws? Well, in fact, these laws you don't know. We do know them, but we know them more by experience, either you do or you don't, then you know about them as written codes. Because the laws that Paul are talking about operate like the law of gravity. We want to call them powers. Some uh, Bible translations translate the power of sin and death or the power of the spirit of life or the principle. So think of it as, as a power. So <clears throat> what kind of power does it, does it take to escape the law of gravity. Well, immediately we would say, well, it takes a mighty power to escape the law of gravity. Uh, but really, gravity is inescapable because everything has gravity. Did you know that? You, normally, we think of gravity as something the earth has, that it holds us down. But I have gravity. You have gravity. A pencil has gravity. A paper clip has gravity. Everything in the universe has gravity. We really don't know that much about it. All we know is that it is a power and that it exists. It exists in such a way that the, the gravity of the sun 
holds the earth and the planets in orbit. The gravity of the earth holds the moon in orbit around the earth. The gravity of the moon impacts our ocean tides. So uh, gravity is a mighty power, and it impacts my daily life. It determines what I can and can't do. So when we talk about the law or the power of sin and death, it is also a power that impacts my life and determines what I can and can't do. It holds me down. It, it holds me back, excuse me, and keeps me from being and becoming what God wants me to be. You know the impact of that power in your own life, and Paul knew it in his. But Paul also knew the impact of this other power, this other law that he was talking about, and that was the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It, it, was, it was not just a set of rules to go by. It was not that at all. It was a power that was operative in his life. It was a power more powerful than this other law, the law of sin and death, and it was a power that set him free from that power. And so he calls it the, the law or the power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How do we know it's not just a law and it's a power? Well, if you continue to read through everything else Paul has to say in his discussion in the next several verses, you will find that he uses the, the word spirit 12 more times in the next nine verses without one time ever coupling it with the word law. Now look again at verse 2. Here's something we've talked about over and over, and it's a key to understanding Paul. He says, The law of the Spirit of life has set, has set you free in Christ Jesus. Or in your translation, it may say, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it's that phrase, in Christ Jesus. That talks about who I am positionally. Positionally, I am in Christ. Positionally, uh, if, if I am in Christ, then the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That is just a fact. Now, back to our question. Could a person be a Christian and fail to know this freedom that Paul is talking about? Well, we said positionally, if I have put my faith in Christ, then I am justified by faith. I am declared right with God on the basis of my trust in what God has done for me. In fact, it's something that only God can do. The other Sunday night, we were talking about an instance out of the life of Jesus when he cast out a demon. And some of the people around Jesus said, oh, you can do this, but you're only doing it by the power of the devil himself. That's, that's how you're doing it. And Jesus said, no, I tell you, this is what's happening. He said, what you just saw happen when you saw me cast this demon out of this person what you saw happening was, was a strong man breaking into a strong man's house. If a, if, if a strong man breaks into a strong man's house, the man who breaks into his house and takes away the other guy's armor has to be stronger than the guy that, whose house he broke into. And he said, what you've just seen is someone stronger dismantling, disarming the devil. And so here's what we have. This is the picture we have. The power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit to disarm the power of sin and Satan as it's operative in your life. In Jesus Christ, positionally, I am condemned no more. Paul, he says that there is no more condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's, that's who I am positionally. Practically, I may be condemned. Uh, in 1 John, it says my heart may condemn me. 
I may feel condemned, but does that mean that I'm condemned? No, because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And why? When did that happen? How is that true? Look at verse 3. The answer is in verse 3. It says simply, for God has done. God did it. God has done what the law, he's talking about the Old Testament law, the law we've been talking about, the Ten Commandments, weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Now what event does verse 3 point to? Verse 3 points to John 3.16, what we looked at last week. The simple verse, John 3.16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It points to the cross. It tells us how God set us free. It's not a freedom that you gain by something that you do. It is a freedom that you are given when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's more to it than that, and we'll talk about the more in just a moment. But again, to our question, could a person be a Christian and fail to know this freedom that Paul is talking about. Let me give you an illustration. Suppose we wanted to escape Earth's gravity and go up into space. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Michael Van Nort to space. I know his mama would like to send him from time to time. So we're going to put Michael Van Nort in a rocket and we're going to send him to space. Just Michael Van Nort without Evie or, or anybody else in the family going with him. We're going to put Michael Van Nort in that rocket. It would take a huge rocket and thousands and thousands of pounds of rocket fuel to send Michael Van Nort up into space to break the power of Earth's gravity to get him up into space. Now, when I get into space, when Michael gets into space, is he going to be free of Earth's gravity? No, he's not. Eventually, unfortunately, Michael, Earth's gravity is going to grab you and pull you back down and send you hurtling back through the atmosphere. So your mom has said we can't put you on that rocket. But what I'm trying to show you is that though you've been set free as a believer from the power of sin and death, that power that Paul is talking about still pulls you. And the moment the rocket runs out of fuel is the moment the, the, the power of gravity begins to win and spiritually it's the same way. So back to the question we're trying to answer. Could a Christian, could a person be a Christian and fail to know this freedom resulting from the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. In other words, could a person be positionally free without being practically free? Well, some of you are feeling like, well, he's beginning to talk about me, and maybe I am talking about you, and what does freedom look like, and on what does that freedom depend? Who can live in such freedom? Well, verse 4, the second part of verse 4, answers that question. Paul says, God did this for us in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And here's the key. Here's the key to being free. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The only problem is when we begin to think about that walking, we're thinking about is something that I've got to do. That's something that I've got to do. That's, uh, that's my effort, my energy. Well, I don't want you to think of it as that way. Because the word according to can also be translated under. What would it mean? It would mean this, that either I am walking under the power or the influence of the flesh, or I am walking under the power and influence 
of the Spirit. The power of the flesh, and the flesh is me apart from God. The flesh is my human energy, uh, just me, myself, and I trying on my own to battle against sin. If I try that, what's going to happen? I'm going to be pulled, drawn, controlled by that greater power. But the power of the Spirit is more powerful than the power of sin. Consider what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Paul, I've been trying to show you uh, across these weeks that what Paul's message is the same throughout the New Testament, whether you be in Philippians or Galatians or Colossians or Ephesians, wherever you are, his message is the same. He says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Verse 17, For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. There it is. He's talking about two powers pulling against each other, the flesh pulling against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Now, what will happen to me if I yield to the pull of the flesh? Well, then I will not live in the freedom for which God saved me. I will not experience freedom. Instead, I'll experience frustration and failure positionally I may be free in Christ, but once I try to start living my life in the strength of my flesh, my human effort, my own mental and bodily energies, I will find that I'm quickly or resist sin in my bodily energies. I will find that I'm quickly pulled down by the power of sin, which is a mighty power. So to break the power of sin and death, I need a greater power, and that power is not in me. Look at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So I have two basic options on how to live my life, and we're talking about the everyday Christian life. Often, uh, when we think of the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is... um, When I was growing up and even when I was a young pastor, I heard about the power of the Holy Spirit and I thought the power of the Holy Spirit is something that helps you cast out demons. The power of the Holy Spirit is something that helps you preach great sermons. No, the power of the Holy Spirit is for you to live the everyday, ordinary Christian life and you cannot live it without the power of of the Spirit. You're going to see this clearly in just a moment. So I have two options on how to live my life. If I want to be free of the pull and power of sin, I must live under the Spirit's rule, under the Spirit's authority, and under the Spirit's power. I have to set my mind on the Spirit and live in dependence upon the Spirit. If I live under the influence of the flesh, then I'm going to live in frustration and failure. It results in guilt. It is living 
in hostility to God's plan and God's purpose for my life, and it deals death to me and everything around me. Uh, living in that way, it's not possible for me to please God. It is utter failure. But if I'm living under the rule and reign of the Spirit, it is peace and power and freedom and enables me to live a life that brings glory to God. Back to the question, could a person be a Christian and fail to know this freedom resulting from the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Yes, that's the first answer, and there too. A person may think that the Christian life is to be lived through the force of human energy or human effort. So, let's say Michael Van Nort gets up one day and says, Mom, instead of being a captain or conductor on the railroad, I have decided that I am going to go to the moon, and I'm going today, and I'm going to go in my own power. So, Lauren goes out and she buys Michael the biggest trampoline that she can find. And Michael gets on that trampoline, I can just see him, getting air on that trampoline. He's jumping up and he jumps higher and higher. And all of a sudden he can't jump any higher. Why can Michael not jump any higher? What keeps Michael from jumping all the way to the moon? Gravity. Gravity, there's a power that will not let him do that. No matter how strong he is, no matter how strong he becomes, no matter how high he feels like he can jump, he can't jump to the moon because there's a power resisting him. For him to get to the moon, he needs a greater power, a mighty power. And it's the same way in the Christian life. If I try to live the Christian life in the strength of my flesh, no matter how high I decide I'm going to jump for God today, I will fail. I will not be able to do it. I need the power of the Spirit living in me. What is this Spirit that Paul is talking about, and what does he mean by flesh? Well, flesh is, is, is a man without God, and flesh is a man apart from God. Flesh is man in his natural state as he was born in this world. So here you are, born in the world, just like me. We're all flesh. We're flesh, blood, bones. And so through the strength of our flesh, what can we do for God? Not a whole lot. Listen to what Jesus said in the third chapter of John. We're sort of going backwards in John, what he said to Nicodemus in chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. It also means, the Greek word means born from above. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless is born, one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Could a person be a Christian and fail to know this freedom resulting from the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Yes. But it is also possible that a person is not a Christian at all. Now understand this very carefully. Here's Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man. 
Nicodemus was a Jew. Nicodemus was a man who got up every morning and said, I'm going to go out today and live for God and see how high I can jump. And I'm going to jump higher than any other Pharisee because I'm keeping the rules and I'm doing it in the power of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is making up his mind. Nicodemus is going to be and Nicodemus is going to do and Nicodemus is going to achieve. And Nicodemus was an utter failure and he couldn't see it and he didn't know it until he stood face to face with Jesus Christ. Some of you have tried that too. You've tried and failed. You said, I'm going to be for God. I'm I'm making a New Year's resolution today. I'm not sinning anymore. I'm not going to do this sin anymore. I'm not going to do this sin anymore. And if you're making your checklist, you're just on your trampoline trying to jump so high that you can outpower the power of gravity. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. And this this is the point that Paul is trying to make. Paul is saying, some. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, something needs to happen to you. You need, you had an earthly birth, you need a heavenly birth. When God created Adam, he he breathed the breath of life into him. Did you know that in the Old Testament, the word for spirit is the word ruach, which means breath. Did you know that in the New Testament, the word for spirit is pneuma, from which we get our word pneumonia and pneumatic, and it means simply breath. When God created Adam, he breathed the breath of life into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. And then Adam sinned, and what happened? His soul collapsed in ruin. And Paul said, all the consequences of Adam's sin, they belong to you, and they belong to me. And because of that, something needs to happen in you that had never happened to Nicodemus. And so how does that happen? God's Spirit must come and live in you. Look at verse 9 of Romans chapter 8. Paul said, here's how you know who you are. He said, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact, if Not in theory. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And I want you to notice very carefully here that throughout the rest of this passage he's going to interchange the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ and even Christ himself. Notice. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him that's just a clear statement that's a statement that's true throughout the rest of the new testament without god's spirit living in you you're not a christian you can't be a christian it's not just a matter of failure and frustration and having no freedom it's having no life It's the reason you can't be what you want to be or do what you want to do. It's not just that that you're a failure at that. It's the fact that God's Spirit doesn't live in you. So are you in the flesh or in the Spirit? And how would you know? The difference is made the moment the Spirit of Christ comes to dwell in you. Then the possibility is that the pull and power of sin that pulls against you and keeps you from being and becoming what God wants you to be can be broken. Now, 
obviously if I get up one morning and say, Eddie's going to do it in Eddie's strength, and Eddie's going to do it Eddie's way, and Eddie's going to do it in Eddie's time, then Eddie's going to fail, and he does fail often for that very reason. I find that in my own life, my greatest victories are my moments of greatest surrender. When I say to God, God, I can't do this, and you're going to have to do it through me. I can't win this battle, little battles, big battles, any kind of battles without you. Isn't that what Paul said in the verse that we've looked at over and over when he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at verse 10. Paul said, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Did you notice that Paul sees no difference between the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, or the very presence of Christ in a person? The spirit is life. The spirit is ability. The spirit is power. The power of the Holy Spirit is stronger than the gravity of sin that pulls us and draws us. Now, after becoming a Christian, if I lose my focus on Christ and cease to depend on the Spirit and try to live the Christian life in my own energies or the power of human effort and the strength of my flesh, I'm going to fail. I will find that like a rocket that runs out of fuel, I'll begin to be pulled back by the power of sin. Look at verse 11. Finally, we need to look at verse 11 and close. If the Spirit of Him... Notice that's God's spirit. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now obviously, if you look at that passage of scripture, it's looking to a far distant future day, the last day, the resurrection of the last day, when the dead are raised. When God's going to do that, he's going to accomplish that. He's going to raise up those who believe in him. There's going to be a resurrection of the body. Paul talks about that later in the book of Romans, and we'll unravel all of that. But I think there's also something else here that you need to see. And that is the, the mighty power of the resurrection that Paul prayed. He said, I want to know him. I want to know Christ. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. He wanted to know that resurrection power of the Holy Spirit living in him and flowing through him. Not so he could work miracles. Not so he could preach great sermons. Not so he could write books of the New Testament. But simply so he could live and walk every day in the power of God's Holy Spirit. The main point is this. The life of every genuine believer is marked by the Spirit's power. Yes, you'll have moments of failure. And in those moments of failure, God will teach you, you need to depend on me. You need to yield to me. You need to trust in me. But it could also be possible that you're not a Christian at all, that you're simply religious, that like Nicodemus, you walk down the aisle one Sunday and you join the church, you join an organization, but the Spirit of Christ does not live in you.
And the Bible says, Romans 8, 9, if the Spirit of Christ does not live in you, you do not belong to him. And that is a serious problem. Let's pray.